Well, good morning, Fitzroy. Here we are, back again after holidays and delighted to be back. Although, as I'll say later on, not delighted that I'm still speaking into a screen to Alison Coote um, on StreamYard. So uh, here we are, though, and it's, uh, it is good to be back. In the time that we've been away, we've been aware that there have been many great things happening in Fitzroy and, and many sad things. We want to congratulate Hannah Flavel and Chris and Daniel Fry for their uh, amazing results at A-levels, Grand Slams and the Old A-Stars. I uh, want to congratulate Richard Guthrie, one of our production team here. He cycled 54 times up the Glencairn Road, which is the equivalent of Everest and has a certificate and medal to prove that. What an incredible man. What goes on when you play the viola in the Ulster Orchestra? Um, incredible. So well done uh, to Richard. Um, and then um, also Dave Thompson's going to run home tomorrow from uh, the top of... Uh, in fact, he, I think he's not going from the top of it. He's gone up the mountain, uh, Donard, and then running back down home all for wonderful charity. So if you want to follow up with Dave and how to give for that achievement, then uh, you can do that. And then we're also um, very saddened by uh, the deaths when I was away of uh, Leslie Watson and Bobby Connolly, and uh, both very dear and um, have battled through many illnesses in the past. And we were sorry not to be around at that time. So just as a congregation, let's be still for a moment and remember uh, those who have had good news these last weeks and those who haven't. Let's pray together. Lord, you tell us to cry with one another, to laugh with one another. And as a community of faith, we celebrate in the successes of Fitzroy on the achievements right across the board from sport to music to academia and then we come and we grieve with those who grieve. And so we pray particularly for Brenda and the family and for Bobby's dear friendship circle that you would just minister to them in this time of need. As I always say, may Jesus be proved right when he calls the Holy Spirit a comforter. Grieving in these strange times of coronavirus can be difficult. And we pray not only for those uh, who've passed away, Bobby and Leslie, but we pray for those in our congregation who've lost loved ones, whether parents or siblings or friends. We pray they would know the deep comfort of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And so welcome to morning worship. It comes with a little bit of a difference. Tomorrow is Van Morrison's 75th birthday. And for those with a long enough memory, his 70th birthday, we celebrated in Fitzroy by doing the entire service around Van Morrison, from the prayers to the songs to my sermon based on one of his songs. We're not doing that this time. But in tribute to Van Morrison, we're doing a few things. Uh, we're allowing him to choose the worship. That is the opening and closing hymn are songs that Van Morrison has recorded. And we want to thank Johnny Fitch for doing one and for the band in Fitzroy for doing the other. Um, we're also going to have at the end of the service, after the benediction, a meditative song by Brian Houston, 
um, which will uh, take us out of worship. It's a beautifully meditative thing, and um, you're welcome to continue to listen after the benediction. That comes from our Light from All Quarters on Van Morrison that we did way back in June. You can get that on Fitzroy TV, where I look at Van Morrison's songs, uh, much like I did this morning in Sunday Sequence, if anybody was listening to that. I think I choose almost the same songs, at least those songs are in there. Um, so that's um, our Van Morrison part of the tribute, and he even appears in the sermon. I want to also thank Alistair Beacom this morning. Alistair is new to Fitzroy, though he's part of uh, a, a dynasty. Um, Stanley and Audrey's uh, granddaughter married uh, Alistair Beacom, and um, so uh, he's part of that McMullen clan. And um, we're delighted that he's praying this morning because I've asked him to pray because he's the headmaster of a primary school in Ballymena, Dunclough Primary School. And it's not easy at this point um, to be a principal or a teacher or a pupil at school. And so our prayers of intercession today are done by Alistair as a result of that. We're reading from Mark, so there's no point in reading it when Philip Mateer knows it. So he's going to recite something from Mark for us. And as I say, Johnny Fitch and the band will lead our worship. And thanks again to this team who uh, put this together every single week. We are never going to take them for granted either. As I say, and I will say, we have uh, spent a lot of time um, walking the North Coast and um, uh, I suppose um, languishing in its beauty. And that will appear in the sermon later on as well. So a call to worship seems right to come from Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. Let's look as Van Morrison would take us for a closer walk with thee. Just a closer walk with thee Granted Jesus is my plea Daily walking close to thee Let it be, dear Lord, let it be I am weak but thou art strong Jesus keep me from all wrong
closer walk with me. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to Thee. Let it be, dear Lord. Let it be. Good morning. In our prayers this week, we're going to be focusing on schools. I'm Alistair, and as you can see, I'm joining you from the primary school where I work in Balamina, from a few days ago in fact. As we pray today, we're going to focus on pupils and school staff from within Fitzroy Church and from all across this land as they prepare to start this new academic year. So let us turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our schools. We thank you for the power of education. We thank you for the many schools connected with us at Fitzroy, be that from within our own congregation or within the local area around our church or indeed across the world. We think especially about pupils who are returning to school after a long period of absence and after the strange season of home learning. We pray for their safety, for your peace and protection, for those children and young people as they rejoin their classmates and get used to all the changes, such as bubbles, zones and all the extra hygiene measures. We pray that you remove any fear and anxiety and that they know that the Lord Almighty is with them every step of the way. We also consider pupils from further afield and across the world as the different countries and education systems adapt to learning amidst this pandemic. We pray for the pupils at Analeku Primary School and we pray that you continue to bless and protect them. We thank you for the power of learning, that education breaks down barriers to opportunity. In the famous words of Nelson Mandela, that it is through education that the daughter of a peasant can become a doctor, that the son of a mine worker can become the head of the mine, and that a child of a farm worker can become the president of a great nation. Father, we pray that our children quickly settle back into classrooms and routines so that learning can continue. And above all, we pray that our children learn to put their trust in you. We also pray for teachers and staff in the days and weeks ahead. We pray that they too will be safe and that they will sense your peace that transcends all understanding. We pray that you grant them wisdom and understanding as they grasp the many changes and as they work to meet both the emotional and the learning needs for their pupils. In amidst the current obsession with exams and grades, may we as educators truly realise that human potential is not predictable and it cannot be measured. Education has the power to enhance the lives of all and may we provide a caring and safe environment where this can be achieved. 
We pray that in midst of busyness and uncertainty, that our teachers take time to rest, to reflect, and to put their hope and trust in you, and that they may sense your unfailing love. Finally, we pray for principals and those in leadership. Give them knowledge and understanding as they make decisions. Give them strength when they feel weak. Give them grace and compassion as they help pupils, parents and staff. Give them wisdom and courage to speak love. As our schools return full time, may pupils and parents see that the schools are the same warm, welcoming and nurturing places that they were before lockdown. Father, we know that it's not the gardener that makes a plant grow. The job of a gardener is simply to create optimal conditions for growth. May schools and homes work together, better than ever before, to create these conditions of acceptance, love and grace where our children will flourish. And Lord, above all, we thank you for this grace, for reaching down from heaven and touching our lives. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son into the world, not to judge the world, but that the world might be saved. Thank you that you know us as we are, yet you love us. Wherever we go this week, may you open the eyes of our heart to see your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Wherever we are today, and wherever we go this week, may we offer ourselves to you and trust you with all our heart. Amen.
You did not despise the cross For even in your suffering You saw to the other side Knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you died That stone was moved for good For the Lamb had conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who come To the Father are restored And the church of Christ was born Their spirit lit the flame Now this gospel truth of old Shall not kneel, shall not faint By his blood and in his name In his freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, the disciples came and asked Jesus, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. 
make preparations for us there. The disciples left and went into the city. They found things just as Jesus had told them. And so they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said to them, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were all saddened, and one by one they asked him, Surely not I, Lord. It is one of the twelve, he said, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man shall go just as it has been written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, Take it, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he'd given thanks, he offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, he said, which is poured out for many. I tell you the truth, said Jesus, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine. Until that day I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And when they'd sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. As I said at the outset of the service, it's great to be back, but it's really not great to be back in these circumstances. Uh, the Karamoja kids are still up behind me. I'm still doing this from the front room of the manse. And uh, thankfully, the crab fish at the end of July got me to spend some time with you all. But uh, it's really strange days. I mean, I did say when we put our first little visual uh, video out in the first week of lockdown that we were in a marathon, not a sprint. But I really didn't think that this was going to be the length of the marathon. And marathons can be difficult things. Ask Gladys, who um, I was reading. She, Gladys Ganiel, I didn't say at the outset, is being um, uh, uh, inducted, is it, into the main that's uh, not the main river in Gilgorm, but the main, the state in the US, and to the state hall of runners hall of fame. And I read an article um, that was written about her back in her hometown, which uh, talked about how in her first race, she was carried off before the end into an ambulance. Now that encouraged me, um, uh, but that gave her the resilience to the next year, come back and win that particular race and to go on to, run in the Commonwealth Games for Northern Ireland and the European Games for Ireland. Uh, she'll tell you about marathons. My dad would tell you about marathons. He um, he ran the marathon around the age of 49.50. Um, the marathon had just started in Belfast and he was an athlete. And um, so he decided that that was the age to try it. It was the age when four hours was a really good time. I know some of you guys are going four hours. I'm trying to beat three or some of you even trying to beat two and a half or um, Gladys doing crazy times uh, as well. But uh, my dad wanted to do four hours and he talked me through one day what happened because he said he was doing quite well and he, he could see up ahead. I'm not sure how far out they were, but he, he could kind of see the landmarks and felt 
that the finishing line, he was probably about two, two and a half miles out in his head. And he looked at his watch and he thought, yes, I'm going to do this. And he said that that gave him a bit of a lift. And then a woman at the side of the road trying to encourage him said, go on, sir, only four miles to go. And because that was different than he thought and that the timing was going to be different than he had thought, he felt that he'd just lost some of his mental strength and resilience and he had to settle for four minutes and four. We're all in a marathon. Um, I haven't been in a shop since March. I have all kinds of health issues and bless me, I found health issues that I didn't know I had during lockdown. And um, and so I'm very hesitant about doing some of the things that we're doing. And that kind of frustrates me. Uh, there's all kinds of things frustrates me. And um, and I'm sure all of us are the same. We're, we're going through lots and lots of different things. In fact, I would suggest that the world has had a bit of an earthquake. You can see it on the news. You can see leaders of all our uh, countries trying to work out how on earth to deal with a world that is shaking around them. Maybe some of them now regret that they were elected in because they're having to deal with something that they had never envisaged that they would have to deal with, nor has anybody any blueprint for how to deal with it. And as well as the world being shaken, we're shaken. We're shaken physically. We're shaken mentally. We're shaken emotionally. And we're shaken spiritually. And in the midst of those things, some of us have had to deal with health issues. Some of us have had to worry about our businesses and the, the, the partners that we're in business with. Some of us have been doctors right on the front line. Some of us are in school like Alistair, uh, principals and teachers and carers in school and, and pupils. And we're trying to get back into those things all affect the shake, the mental, emotional, spiritual challenges that we're going through. I can't believe that six months on, I'm still as a pastor trying to find biblical texts to speak into this same context. When we go on holidays, I try to switch off. I go into a world of novels. Uh, read a couple of Booker Prize, uh, David Mitchell's Utopia Avenue, um, the best book of all time, maybe, Colin McCann's Paragon. Um, I read that very popular, if controversial, American Dirt by uh, Janine Cummins, uh, Glenn Patterson, David Park. I've been reading them. I, I live in a world of fiction. And what I try not to do is I, I might underline, I might go that far, but I don't kind of want all those quotes in a Paragon or uh, all those quotes in, in American Dirt. I, I don't go, oh, my, that's a sermon and start to write the sermon because I'm on holidays. So I try to live in that world. However, one evening, something happened that uh, I knew was going to be the first sermon back. It just happened probably about a week ago, um, not much longer than a week ago. And we were doing our usual walk. What we try to do is we try to ta time uh, Odie's, e or, sorry, Jed's evening walk with uh, the sunset. So it's timing that over a month changed because if you're in Ballycastle Beach at sunset, and uh, the sun's setting over can be in head and out over the town. And it shines different rays every night across the fair head. And uh, the Rathlin looks different. And then there's the Mull of Kintyre and all that Paul McCartney thought about that. And I'm not going to go into song. 
and it's just beautiful. And we do spend quite a bit of our walk uh, trying to capture it in photographs. And Janice is better at that than me, and not only because her camera's better than mine, but because she's better at it than me. But this night we walked across, and quite honestly, we couldn't see much more than 10 yards in front of us. There was a fog in. There was no fairhead. There was no rattling. Scotland, well, that was completely out of the question. There was just a nothingness. We were able to walk the dog, but it was bereft and dull, very grey. And I remember thinking as I walked for, what, about half a mile towards the fair head. Wow, it's gone. So what did I do? I remember to the night before when it was there. In fact, that afternoon, earlier in that afternoon, Janice had taken the most remarkable photograph of Fairhead. So when it wasn't there, I remembered back to when it was there. And I kind of thought of many of us going through this coronavirus period of our lives, period of history. And I'm thinking that there's been moments in this journey, whether that's just the COVID-19 or whether that's what we've had to deal with in COVID-19 times, that maybe sometimes we're wondering where God is and we can't see God. And we're, maybe there are moments when we almost lost faith, when we were really wrestling. And I thought, I want to encourage us all, the first Sunday back, that when those moments come, to remember back. And that led me beautifully into that reading or recital that Philip did earlier on. Do this in remembrance of me. That's what we say so many times at the sacrament. And so when I started remembering the fair head, I started thinking about this sacrament. Jesus telling us to remember. Do you think that Jesus might have known that there would be moments there would be foggy days, there would be pandemics, there would be grieving and anxiety and fear. I reckon he did, and I reckon that's what he was thinking at that moment. Well, I know it wasn't what he was thinking just at that moment, because already God had put that in place for the Jewish people with the Passover. Here was our sacrament to remember. Jesus was with the disciples. They could see him tangibly. There's times when I look at the fair head and the way the fair head is, if the light shines on it just right, you can almost see the veins in the neck of the fair head. Jesus is around his disciples. They're around a table. There's no social distancing in this situation of the Last Supper. They're all just squeezing in on each other and they can see him. They can touch him. They can feel him beside them. And so he gives them this sacrament. He breaks the bread and gives them the wine and said, this is my body. This is my blood. Uh, do this in remembrance of me, because I think he knew that there would be foggy days and that they would have to go back to a moment when it was really spectacularly clear what was going on. Even though the disciples probably are still wondering what this broken bread and uh, poured out wine's all about. And that interests me too. Jesus didn't give us a sacrament just to remember him. He gave us a sacrament to remember 
where he was in the heart of the injustice of the world, the suffering of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is a particular place that Jesus asks us to remember, a place of personal salvation and a place where the injustices of the world are dealt with. Do this in remembrance of me. And it seems with a wee bit of research that there's uh, an idea happens here that this is not just a recollection. So if we go back to some of the sermons earlier on, I said maybe one of the first sermons, where is God in all of this? And I quoted the first couple of verses of Genesis. God's where he always was, even in the beginning. He's hovering over the depths. He's creating and hovering over the void. Now, that's a good recollection, and that's a good biblical verse to share with you. It seems to me that the sacrament is something more. And from my research, the Jewish people actually think they're going back into acting out this Passover, that there's something tangibly present and energizing in the in the redoing of the Passover. And of course, denominations of a Christian church have argued about what happens in the actual sacrament. And though we wouldn't go towards um, where the Catholic Church would go and believing it turns into the very body and blood of Jesus, I would be frightened if we lost the fact that Jesus was putting us into something here that is a tangibly more than a recollection. This is a remembering and a symbol that when we redo it, that there's something that we will meet again with resilience, hope, love and vision, even for foggy days. And it makes sense to me in some levels that we can remember things and that that can heal us or encourage us or change us or bring us hope. Colin Davison, our greatest uh, Northern Irish uh, painter, portrait artist, um, talked about that beautiful silent testimony exhibition he did where he, he did the portraits of uh, so many people who'd lost loved ones in the Troubles. And I remember being, being interviewed at the Four Corners Festival and he said, for those people, the trauma is now. The grieving is now. It's not some past event. It's something that still resonates deeply in their lives now. Traumas from the past can come back from the past to be tangibly real in the present. The bullet is still travelling, is what one of the men says in a paragon, Colin McCann's wonderful novel, Based on Truth. So I started to think then, well, I didn't start to think. John Paul Lederach talks about this in a book called When Blood and Bones Cry Out, a book that I have to thank Dave Thompson for. Uh, Dave actually gifted me this book and he gifted me the book because in the middle of John Paul Lederach's book, let me explain to you that John Paul Lederach, Mennonite, former missionary, now I think Professor of International Peacebuilding at the University of Notre Dame, has written extensively and spoken quite a bit in Northern Ireland. In fact, here is a wee hint that nobody else knows will be speaking at next year's Four Corners Festival. Lederach's uh, talking about peacemaking and in this book he talks about how we can, uh, the healing of peacemaking, the healing from trauma for societies and for individuals. And um, and he's talking about music and he's talking about repetitiveness. He's talking about vibrations. He's talking about trying to use things above the linear conversation, I guess. And so what he does in the middle of this book is he takes the work of Van Morrison, Happy 75th Van. 
And um, he, he talks very personally. He had a very, very horrific car crash and he had a year to convalesce in Colorado. And what he did during this convalescing is he listened. He bought during the year the entire Van Morrison catalogue. Whoa, what a catalogue. And he listened to it. And he discovers in Van Morrison's work that this idea of going back is very, very real to Morrison. Morrison had these childhood visions, whether they were in Ballystockert Road where he was fishing one day and a man gave him a glass of water. And Morrison says that for five minutes, the world kind of disappeared and he had this moment of deep transcendence. Uh, Cypress Avenue that he talks about getting caught in Cypress Avenue and this rapturous thing. Uh, in Hindford Street, he talks in that little um, claustrophobic street that he grew up in. He talks about dreaming in God. He has these moments in his past that Lederach says that in his music, with a repetition in some songs, he goes back to these innocent, transcendent moments of the past because they open a door, Lederach says, for healing in the present. Morrison talks a lot about the eternal now, as if the past and the future can somehow be tangibly real in the present. And for me, the sacrament is a place where we go back to this time, even before our recollections, happening a couple of thousand years before we were born, and that somehow we can find a doorway into re-envisioning God um, finding the incarnate Jesus afresh and the impact of the work of Christ becoming real within our lives. And of course, it can happen in our own transcendent moments. In 1985, I was speaking in Ballywillan Presbyterian Church with a, a mission team. In fact, Jean Gray from Fitzroy, David's uh, wife, Jean, um, she was Jean Earl then. Um, she was the co-leader of the team with me. And we had this moment of worship uh, a few times that week in an upper room in Ballywill and church halls that for many of us was a transcendent moment, like maybe Van Morrison experienced. Ours was very Christ-centred, worship-centred. And about a year after that mission, I was invited back to speak at a, uh, they used to have a thing called Youth Reach. It was just a Ballywillian Youth Reach. And there was these two young cubs that were causing me some grief. And um, and I wanted every morning and night to speak just to them. And I remember one day thinking, how am I going to achieve getting through to these guys? And I went up to that room and I tried to find a doorway <laughs> from those transcendent moments of that team praying together and singing together into what I was in at that moment in time. And uh, 30 years later, when I went on my sabbatical to Regent College, Vancouver, one of those boys, Martin Baxter, now ministering in North Vancouver, was uh, actually the guy who was our best buddy and showed us around because going back to open a door into the present gives some energy to the present. That kind of thing. So I'm asking, as I guess, um, this week uh, to maybe have a bit of a, a homework, even now. Let's do it now. Let's walk in our minds towards the fair head. Might not be the fair head to you, and probably not the fair head to you. In fact, I hope it's not the fair head to you because I don't want any of you coming and crowding out Bally Castle. Wherever it is for you, walk towards it. That scene that you love to walk in, that situation you love to walk in, that mountain scene, or wherever it is, walk towards it. And I want you to walk towards it and see a fog down over it.
you you can hardly see 10 feet in front of you. You're walking into nothingness. Where did it go? Where did that beautiful scene go? Then I want you to remember back to when it was amazing. The time you saw it at its clearest. And do that with God this week. When we're struggling in this coronavirus time, go back to a time. Go back to a moment. Go back to when God was real. I'd love to think it was a sacrament moment. I'd love to think it was round the Lord's table in Fitzroy. But it might be somewhere else. And somehow open a door in your remembering of God to make something tangible happen right now. I want to get you all back to sacrament. And on Thursday night, I'll be trying to talk to Session about the possibility of everybody one Sunday coming for the sacrament. I think it can be done. I've been living in the world of fantasy and novels and fiction for a month. But I think we could get all of you, uh, not all at once, but all in the one morning, we could all gather. We could have some bread and wine. I could pray for every single one of you and we could create another memory that's not a recollection. But somehow we would go back into that moment at that table with Jesus himself and open a doorway into the now to give us resilience, vision, love, compassion and hope in these coronavirus days.
Once again, thank you for everybody who took part in this morning's service. Thank you very much for listening and watching whatever time of the week you've done it or wherever in the world that you are. And thank you particularly to our production team who worked very hard um, to put these together. After the benediction, we're going to listen to Brian Houston doing uh, Full Force Gale. Uh, he did that for our Sunday evening event, which you can get on Fitzroy TV. And it's a chance for us to um, just find ourselves meditating on the Holy Spirit, uh, no matter where we wander, bringing us back to God again. And let's share as we close the benediction. May God the Father's love be a constant companion. May Jesus' teaching be illuminated in the dark. And may the Holy Spirit lead us into what we do for others and how to take care of ourselves, even in the fog. Amen. Like a fool for a scale, I was lifted up again. I was lifted up again by the love. And no matter where I roam, I will find my way back home. I will always return to the love. In the gentle evening breeze, by the whispering shady trees, I will find my sanctuary in the love. I was headed for a fall. But I looked around and saw the writing on the wall, on the wall. And no matter where I go, no matter where I go, I will always return to the Lord. home and I will always return, always return to the love. Like a fool for escape, I was lifted up again. I was lifted up again by the love. Cause I was headed for a fall. But I looked around and I saw the riding on the wall. I saw the writing on the wall So no matter where I roam I will always find my way back home And I will always return to the Lord 
in the gentle evening breeze, underneath the whispering trees, I will find my sanctuary in the Lord. Oh my love, open the door. Oh my love, open the door. Oh my love, open the door to your heart. Oh my love, open the door. Oh my love, open the door. Oh my love, open the door to your heart. Return to 